Before we get to the show, if you want to listen ad-free, go to gzmshows.com slash subscribers. That's gzmshows.com slash subscribers. Hi, and welcome to the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian. My name is Jonathan Messenger, and this here is Bebop, Robomogo Wanatron, my co-host and introbot, and... Before, Bebop, you get into whatever strange character you're going to be this week, I just wanted to let everyone know that we have another live Finn Caspian show coming up. Actually, we have several. First of all, we're going to be back at the Printer's Row Lit Fest in downtown Chicago on June 9th at 3.30 p.m. Then we're going up to Madison, Wisconsin for a show on June 30th with the Madison Public Library. And then in Plainfield, Illinois, on July 2nd with their public library. Some of the exact details of these events are still coming together, and I'll put them up on fincaspian.com slash events as they do. And I'm hoping to add some more live shows this summer, so stay tuned. But the one that's coming up very soon is Saturday, June 9th at the Printers Row Lit Fest here in Chicago at 3.30. Bebop, what are you doing? Oh, I know what this is. I showed Bebop Star Wars this weekend. And he saw R2-D2 and got really offended at their portrayal of robots. Yeah, that's not how we talk. I know, Bebop. You are capable of so much more than bleeps and bloops. It's just a story. And you're the real thing, okay? Okay, I don't know if I'm going to be able to talk Bebop down from this, so let me just say that I hope to see all of you soon, and in the meantime, if you remember what happened the last time we were on the Marlow, Bunce had captured Genevieve, Lancebot, Voltronics, and Robo Cloco with his zombie wild thing. But, A. Livia was nowhere to be found. What is she up to? How will they get out of this? Find out on this week's episode of the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, Season 4, Episode 10, Robot Revolt. Grand Salutations! My name is Olivia. And you may remember me as one of the children of the famous Marlow 280 Interplanetary Exploratory Space Station. Perhaps you remember that myself and my twin sister Olivia revealed ourselves to be friendly aliens living among the humans for months, pretending to be one of them. We were very good at it. No one ever suspected that we were different or strange or anything other than young women explorers Aboard the Marlowe. When Bunce had sent the zombie wild thing to snatch up the rogue explorers and robots aboard the Marlowe, he had lost track of Genevieve, Lancebot, and Olivia momentarily. Eventually, Genevieve and Lance would surrender, but Olivia remained absent. Of course, Olivia, Genevieve, and Lancebot had hidden in the room behind the room behind the room that secret central chamber that had entrances all over the Marlow. From there, they had hatched their plan. Genevieve and Lancelot would surrender to Bunce, and Olivia 
would sneak into the robot room and round up whatever robots were in working order and lead them to the bridge to take down Bunce once and for all. Genevieve was supposed to pretend that she lost Olivia in all of the confusion. But in all of his excitement of providing the play-by-play over the Marlowe's intercom and in the triumph of having captured what he thought was the entire crew with just one measly zombie, Bunce had completely forgotten about Olivia. So here she was, in the robot room, standing before half-built robots, discarded robots, retired robots, basically any and every robot that the engineers had built that wasn't now on active duty. It was here, in this room. And because the crew of the Marlowe did so much to reunite me with my parents in the belly of the alien planet Saffrite, we are here to return the favor. Olivia talked for a long time. She wanted to give a speech that would spur the robots to action, to inspire them. And so it is now that I turn to you, robots of the Marlowe 280, to ask that you join my sister and I in our request to return the Marlow to its rightful owners. What do you say? Will you, this day, this hour, this minute, join me in making right such a hideous wrong? Will you stand with me? What do you say, robots? Unfortunately, Olivia did not realize that robots needed to be turned on before they could hear her speech, much less be moved by it. And so, Olivia went on trying to find the right words to move the robots into action. Eventually, Protofessor heard the noise and came in to find Olivia, still in her girl form, standing atop a table, pleading with the robots to join her. Life is to be lived, not controlled by the mad ones. Grand salutations! Cried Olivia, excited to see a familiar face in the protofessor and relieved to hear the sound of someone, anyone, talking besides her. I suppose that venomous bunce did not sweep you up when he did the others, did he? Oh, proto, if only you could help me. I can't get these robots to take up my cause. The clocks strike 13, said Proto. (sighs) Proto had left the door open, and Olivia could hear the wild thing out there, roaming the halls. And if she could hear it, it could likely hear her. Do you hear that, friends? said Olivia, turning to the unmoving Silent robots. The hour is at hand. The beast roams the halls. The time is now. As Proto said, the clock strikes thir- Wait, did you say the clock strikes thirteen? A a clock can't do that, right? Are you actually helping me, Mr. Proto? No one forgets the slow dance of the infinite stars. Olivia jumped down and closed the door as the wild thing's growls grew louder and closer. What is that? Is that poetry? said Olivia. 
Mr. Protofessor, I don't see how poetry can help us now. When the clock stops, does time come to life? Said Proto. Olivia threw up her hands. I think you're just messing with me, friend Proto. There was a bang at the door. A wild thing doesn't knock. It bangs. Okay, everyone. We're going to have to be extra quiet if we don't want that horrible beast out there to come in, said Olivia. But I'm afraid if you won't be moved by my words, there's not much we can do. We may have to surrender. And then Proto did something that surprised Olivia and that nobody on the Marlowe would ever believe. He put his hands in the air as though he were frustrated and then slapped himself in the head and yelled, The robots are off! You have to turn them on! Olivia was shocked, both to hear Proto speak sensibly and to realize that he was right. All along, she had been speaking to robots that had been powered off. Her championship speech had fallen on deaf ears. Grandest surprises, Mr. Proto. You can speak, and you are right! I only have to turn these robots on, and then we will surely defeat the pusillanimous boats. Olivia danced around the room. She found a button behind the ear of a thin wolfbot. She found another robot that was just a ball with two antennae, like a flying insect, and flipped a small switch at the top of its head. It powered up. Zoink. She moved quickly from robot to robot, turning them on and turning them back off when they didn't seem like they would be helpful. I want to suck your blood. In the end, she had five robots who had functioning bodies with all limbs and heads attached, and the flying insect bot as well. But she soon discovered that no matter what she tried to do, she couldn't get them to move beyond simple commands like walk forward or turn right. Literature enriches the necessary competencies that daily life requires and provides, said Proto. And now it was Olivia's turn to smack herself in the forehead. Of course, she said. They're missing a key ingredient. Olivia, followed by her small army of robots, opened the door from the room behind the room behind the room and into the library. She scoured the shelves, looking for books that would provide the perfect combination of skills to trap bunts once and for all. But she was an alien, and unfamiliar with many of the titles, besides Pinocchio, of course. Allow me, said Protofessor, who now seemed like a completely different robot. He zipped around the shelves, pulling down books and piling them up in his small robot hands. By the time he was done, he had a stack of books as tall as he was. He lined up the robots and held the first book in the air. My friends, I have so many books in my system, I often cannot keep them straight. It is true. Many have thought I was unclear or unable to think straight. But books have always brought me such clarity. And never have they meant more to me than now. When we create this united front to win back the Marlowe, it is time now for a robot revolt. Protofessor held forth the first book, and the small wolf stepped forward to receive it.
Okay, I am here with my son and editor, Griffin Messenger. Say hi to everybody, Griffin. Hey, hey. Help! <laughs> hey, Griff. Uh, so what did you think of that episode? Um, between awesome and one million percent. That's great. So uh, what was your favorite part? Uh, my favorite part was when uh, Professor was like, Slapped his head and he was like, "You have to turn them on." <laughs> yeah, Protofessor kind of snapped out of it for a minute there, huh? Yeah. I really like Protofessor a lot, and I'm glad to see him taking on more of a role. You know? Yeah, not just being like, "Yum yum Well, I think he was always trying to help, but couldn't quite get there. You know? Probably. Yeah. So here's a really important thing about this episode. We need listener help so that we can write the next episode, right? Right. So what we're going to do is Protofessor and Olivia are assembling a robot army to go take down Bunts. And we need to know what books are going to go inside those robots so that they can do that. So I need listeners to send in their ideas for books so we can put those into the robots and make characters out of them. Now, we have six robots that are in Olivia's robot army i figure griff maybe you could start us off with one and then we'll have the listeners give us suggestions to fill the other five so griff what book would you choose for one of the robots uh the hobbit the hobbit by J.R.R. tolkien right right and who do you think should like what character do you think from the hobbit should go into the robot if they have a choice. Maybe they won't have a choice. Bilbo. Bilbo Baggins. That's right. Obviously the hero of The Hobbit, right? Right. And do you remember what they always call Bilbo in that book? Burglar. He's the burglar. That's right. So there's like a crew. There's a team of dwarves. And Bilbo is their burglar who can kind of steal around. So is that what you think? You think that the, the robot should be a burglar? Yeah. Okay. Good idea. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about this episode? Why does not Punts not realize there is still one get missing? He's too excited. He's too confident. You know, sometimes these evil guys, they think they know everything. Uh, no. All right. Then it is... Joke time. Joke time. Art time. Art time. Joke time. Joke time. Character call time. Car- <laughs> <laughs> so many things. All right, let's do art first. Okay, so we have to thank our artists today. Our old pal, Clobot from Wisconsin. Cooper, who's six, from Philadelphia. Eileen, who's six, from Sydney, Australia. Jack, who's five, from Cherville, Indiana. Four-year-old Charlie from Pensacola, Florida. Our pal Duncan, who's seven. Bennett, who's eight, from Rochester, Minnesota. Caitlin from Toronto, Canada. Vera Claire Shu, who's eight, from Kingston, Ontario, Canada. Grayson, who's five, from Sherwood, Oregon. Jacob, who's six. Dylan, who's six, from Trout Lake, Washington. Faith, who's nine, from Sydney, Australia. And Lily May, who's eight, from Snohomish, Washington. Snohomish. I hope I said that right. All right, for Character Club this week, we have two great ideas from brothers Mauer and Leaf from San Diego, California. Leaf gave us two, and he made little Lego figures out of them called Skeletron, and he says everything goes through him except water, because he's a skeleton. 
but can retain water apparently. And Sky Snake, whoever he bites is hypnotized to come onto his side. Ooh, I like that. Sky Snake. That's a cool name too. Thank you so much, Leaf. And then Mauer sent us this creature that is purple and it has four heads and it's called a double bob. And it says Bob Bob after every noun Bob Bob. Double Bob 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 Bobs are basically the same thing Bob Bob as the Bob's Bob Bob just doubled. They want twice of what the Bob's Bob Bob wanted. Did I do that right? <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Leaf and Mauer. Okay, now we're on to jokes. Zion from DuPont, Washington sent in this joke. Why did the alien movie director want a piece of supernova for an actor? He saw right away it was star material. <laughs> Thanks, Zion. And then we have three jokes from our good friends, Sam and Alex in Birmingham, England. Take it away, Sam and Alex. I'm Birmingham, England. I'm, Sam, I'm Alex from Birmingham, England. And we have two funny jokes for you. What was the first bug on the moon? Neil Armslug. <laughs> When the monkeys fall from the sky. Join April showers. Keep it going, Daddy. <laughs> Keep it going. What was the first baby on the moon? <laughs> Neil Arm Baby. <laughs> Neil Arm Baby. <laughs> that is awesome. Thank you so much, Sam and Alex. All right. Thank you all so much for all those awesome jokes. Really appreciate it. All right, well, I want to say thank you all for sending in sounds, characters, jokes, and art. And now we ask you, of course, to send in your book suggestions for our robots. Anything else, Griff? Nope. All right, you want to say bye to everybody? Bye, bye. Bye. All right, bye, everybody. All right, thank you all so much for coming back and having more fun with us this week. Thank you for all the characters you're sending in. Thank you for all the art you're sending to Bebop. Thank you for all of your ideas that you're sharing with us. I really, really appreciate it. And now we need your ideas more than ever. If you have book recommendations that you think the book would make a really cool robot to form a Livia's little robot squad to take back the Marlowe, send in those ideas Email earth at fincaspian.com. That's earth at fincaspian.com. Subject book idea. And then we'll incorporate that into next week. So we're going to need them by Sunday. If you can send them by Sunday, please do. That's again, earth at fincaspian.com. Subject line book idea. And let us know what book you think should inform the robots in a Livia's robot squad. The Alien Adventures of Fincaspian is a Gen Z Kids production, written and produced by Jonathan Messenger, edited and guided by Griffin Messenger, with special thanks to Maria Villanueva. Emerson Messenger is our intern. Our art is done by Sir Ian Dingman, and the music you hear at the beginning and end of every show is by Mark Greenberg, recently voted the nicest human in the multiverse. For more information about the show, check out fincaspian.com or our show notes. And hey, tell a friend. All right, thanks. We'll see you next week. Hi, it's me, Jess. This is a message for all the Six Minutes podcast fans out there. Have you heard? 
There are new episodes in the Six Minutes feed called The Ivan Dispatch. I won't go into details, but Ivan found something. A box containing audio cassettes recorded decades ago. And it looks like they were recorded by Cyrus. If you're a fan and you're not following the show, you may have missed out. Search for Six Minutes and click the follow button so you never miss an episode. And if you haven't heard Six Minutes yet, what are you waiting for? Search for Six Minutes, start a season one, episode one, and enjoy the most downloaded family audio drama in history.